reading from the book of Leviticus. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the whole assembly of the children of Israel and tell them, be holy for I, the Lord, your God am holy. You shall not steal, you shall not lie or speak falsely to one another. You shall not swear falsely by my name, thus profaning the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not defraud or rob your neighbor. You shall not withhold overnight the wages of your day labor. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall not act dishonestly in rendering judgment. Show neither partiality to the weak nor deference to the mighty, but judge your fellow men justly. You shall not go about spreading slander among your kin, nor shall you stand by idly when your neighbor's life is at stake. I am the Lord. You shall not bear hatred for your brother in your heart. Though you may have to reprove him, do not incur sin because of him. Take no revenge and cherish no grudge against your fellow countrymen. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Verbum Domini. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true, all of them just. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. Let the words of my mouth and the thought of my heart find favor before you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
Dominus Fabiscum. Lexia Sancti Evangelii Secundum Matteo. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink, a stranger and you welcomed me, naked and you clothed me, ill and you cared for me, in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison or in visit you? And the king will say to them in reply, Amen, I say to you, whatever you did for one of these least brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. A stranger, and you gave me no welcome. Naked, and you gave me no clothing. Ill and in prison, and you did not care for me. Then they will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or or a stranger or naked or ill or in prison and not minister to your needs. You'll answer them, Amen, I say to you, what you did not do for one of these least ones, you did not do for me. And these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Verbum Domini. We have the challenge in the first reading from Leviticus to be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And certainly this is a great theme of Lent. We repent and believe in the gospel. It's a season of conversion, doing penance for our sins, growing closer to the Lord. And we see in Leviticus this, this, this teaching of the law, that there is no, we can't, somehow go around the law, or the law is not involved in this path to holiness. The Ten Commandments are necessary that we live by these teachings. And the summary of that law is love of God and neighbor. And that's what Jesus is telling us in the gospel today. That love of neighbor part is critical. The first three commandments are love of God. The next seven are how we love our neighbor. And today in the gospel, he's telling us to serve them, to serve our neighbor. And his, and his identification is in the least. He identifies with the least. He shares 
um, in their sufferings. So we have this most serious and weighty teaching of Jesus. There's the repetition that's given there to really drive home the point. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. All the angels, all the nations. <laughs> this is involving everyone. This is judgment day. This is the point of it all. This is where we are examined in our life. John of the Cross would say that in the evening of life we will be judged on love alone. On love alone. I remember being in school, in college, seminary, midterms, final exams. You're trying to find out what's going to be asked on the test, right? Trying to figure that out. And he tells us clearly what's going to be asked on the test. You know, how did we treat our brothers and sisters? <clears throat> I was hungry. You fed me. <clears throat> Thirsty, you gave me drink. Naked, clothed me. Stranger, welcomed me. Sick, visited me. In prison came to me. Did we come to the aid of our neighbor? Did we get out of ourselves and serve another? There's also the spiritual works of mercy, of instructing the ignorant, of advising, of consoling, of comforting, forgiving, bearing wrongs patiently. I always think that's a great penance in Lent is to try to, to focus on that point, bearing wrongs patiently, like little offenses that we might take, putting up with the people that really maybe annoy us in some way, patiently, not having to defend ourselves, not having to get our word in there. So those spiritual works are, are important as well, instructing, advising, consoling. Pope Benedict would say to defend the truth, to articulate it with humility and conviction, and to bear witness to it in life are therefore exacting and indispensable forms of charity. He would say that the church's fundamental essence roles are evangelization, worship, and service of the poor. That's what the church does. We worship God, we evangelize, we serve the poor. Recently, a guest on Life on the Rock <clears throat> Usually I don't go off script, and this, the gentleman I was interviewing wasn't particularly really talkative, but I risked it, and I said at the end, he had this, he had this, he was on the show for, this, he was with a group that was serving others, and I said, what scripture passage most inspires you? And I didn't tell him I was gonna ask him this, and, I, and he said, well, Matthew 25. He said, I'd put it this way, I was unloved, and you loved me. I thought that was a great way to put it. I was unloved, and you loved me. Who in our life is feeling that keenly, feeling unloved? We know what we, how we want to be loved, so maybe give that to others. See that need in others. Our faith, real faith, becomes charity. It becomes communion with others. 
it becomes a doing faith. Paul speaks of it of having a saving faith as one enlivened by charity. Otherwise, it's a dead faith. In loving others, I think we've all discovered that our, our faith becomes real. It kind of takes off. It gets momentum. I get out of my own constructed world of faith that is self-serving and plays to my strengths. Just kind of stay in, in the areas where I do well. Maybe we're great at praying. Maybe we're great at spending time in prayer and things like that, which is all very good. But at times, you know, we need to be stretched because it can become make-believe. It keeps us at the center. Maybe ultimately serving what makes our comfort, what makes us comfortable. We don't want to be too disturbed. And I find, I think, most of our experiences that when we get into service of others and helping others, any kind of relationship gets messy. It gets demanding. It gets. Uh, it's never at the right time. You know, it's always calling us out of ourselves. But, but living this love of our neighbors breathes life into our faith, makes it real, pumps it up. I'm invested in, in something, and I'm nurturing, and I'm placing Jesus at the center because he is in the least. That's what he's telling us. That's the message. Whatever you did to the least, you did to me. He's identifying with those in need. Mother Teresa would say, find your own Calcutta. As she went to the slums and served there, she said, you don't have to come to India. You don't have to come to some poor, faraway place. Find your own Calcutta. And what I've seen in the church we can get in our turf wars. We can kind of want, this is my thing. But you know, we never really fight over serving the least. <laughs> they can't repay us. If you're trying to find your place in the church, just, just pick the most desperate group, the poorest people, in whatever way. It might be emotional poverty. It might be suffering. It might be uh, loneliness. Nobody's going to fight you to serve there. <laughs> Go there. You can give generously, imitating Christ, because he came down into our life. He tore open the heavens and came down to earth. That's the realness. That's the vitality of our faith. And sometimes we lose sight of that, I think. Just the, the crazy, total, self-giving love of Jesus to become one of us to serve, to wash the feet of the brethren, and then to suffer and die for us. That's completely radical. So if you feel like you're in this blasé, amorphous practice of the faith, get crazy and help somebody else. Get out of, get out of ourself and, and look to others to see what we can do for them. These relationships you know, can be messy, yet they're fruitful. And it calls for self-gift. And we really grow ourselves. We discover something about ourselves. 
and working with the least. We find Christ there in some mysterious way. And it enlightens, I think, we experience, you know, in, in our giving of love, we experience Jesus' love for each one of us. Because we come to realize that Jesus loves us in our poverty and our being the least in whatever way and whatever difficulties. Because I think sometimes there's just something in ourselves that, you know, we just say it's just too messed up, right, to really <clears throat> believe that God loves us. But when we help somebody else, somehow it breaks through that. We come to really believe that God does love us. We discover his love for us and our loving of others. The world provides us endless opportunity for this. May we be faithful in Jesus' commandment today.